Hey there, Southwest Church. My name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and we are thrilled that you've joined us this weekend. Uh, you can tell already that today has been a special service. You might also be panicking, oh my gosh, how long is church going to be today? Don't worry. My job is to connect you right to the heart of what we've been talking about already across the span of this service is that we've got something that we believe so deeply in as a program because we believe that it connects people to God, to their church, and to the purpose that God has for their life. We're so proud of the hundreds of people at Southwest that have already moved through our rooted program. And hopefully in the last few minutes I'm with you today, and truly, honestly, I really do mean few, we hope to call you to maybe you would consider maybe hopping off Instagram on your phone, opening up your text messages, and reaching out for information about this incredible program. But before we get there, before I move you through why we care so much about this, I need to tell you about something that I'm kind of proud of. You see, once upon a time, I was 13 years old, and I went out for a football team at El Cajon Valley High School, and I made that freshman year JV football team. Matter of fact, I was a starter. No big deal. I was a team captain my sophomore year. No big deal. Junior year, I started offense and defense, was a team captain. No big deal. But there's something else you need to know about my first three years playing football at El Cajon Valley High School. We were terrible. My freshman year, we lost nine games in a row. All of them. We lost all the games. There were none games that ended with a win. My sophomore year, things turned around mightily. We won two games and lost seven. Junior year, oh, different from my sophomore year. We went right back to winning none games. So by the end of my Junior year, we were 2 and 26. I had gone two entire years losing all the football games. One year was this glorious spectacle of a championship where we beat two teams. Going into my senior year, we knew that something had to change. We knew something had to be different so that as a team, we would be better. So that as a team, we'd have a shot. And I'm really excited to tell you about what we did, but not now. What I want to tell you about before we get there is some of the ways that Jesus would speak into people's lives in the Gospels and call them from where they were to one step ahead. To call them from the spot in life that they were at and see how he could get them to grow. Because you can see from the display behind me and from some of the things that we've already shared in this service that we are a church that is passionate about growth. As a matter of fact, when Pastor Ricky got here, we believe that God gave us a vision as a church to be centered in the gospel, to be multi-ethnic, to be intergenerational. And then with those describing words, modifying who we are as a church to say that we love discipleship. And that's a big calling. That's a big reputation to claim that we've got. I mean, it would be like me starting an Instagram feed and saying, hey, if you want to learn about nutrition and fitness, follow me. And then you'd look at the dad bot on that feed and you'd be like, I'm not so sure that maybe that calling is going to match up with that content. And so how do we as a church look into the scripture and see what are those things that Jesus did in the life of people that called them to actual growth? Not lip service, not liking an Instagram feed, not rooting for a pastor who has conviction, but becoming a church that possesses conviction ourselves. How do we do that? We believe deeply in the program rooted and in its ability to move people from complacent to compelled. So I want to walk you through some steps that we believe your church can call you to. We believe that Jesus, once upon a time, called people from complacency to consumer. Now, complacency, 
that word is never good, right? Like that would not describe a good student. It wouldn't describe a good athlete. It certainly would not describe a good church. You'd be so embarrassed if your friend at work told you, oh, I've heard of Southwest. They're that complacent church. Well, Jesus met complacent people where they were. Let me remind you of a story. Do you remember the opportunity or the, the, the time where there was a crowd all around Jesus? He's moving through it. His disciples are trying to get him to one spot. And there's a woman in the crowd. And that woman for years has had an issue, a health issue. She'd been bleeding kind of without control for a very, very, very long time. Well, she'd heard rumors of a teacher who could heal. And so she showed up not to listen to a lesson, but she showed up to get healed. And as the crowd is all around him, she kind of is walking this way. He's walking that way. And she kind of low key reaches out and she just kind of like touches the cloak, the tunic, the, the outfit that Jesus was wearing. And then she just kind of dips out and she's gone. And Jesus stops and he says, well, wait a second, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody touched you. This is like a subway car. This is like a, this is like a Dodger game. It's crowded. And he's like, no, 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 no. Somebody needed something from me. They found me on purpose and they reached out and touched me. Where are they? And the woman was like, that was me. And then what's really interesting is Jesus affirms her. There were a lot of cases of in the gospels, people showing up to be healed and Jesus affirms them. And I know for some of us who are old in Christian culture, we would use the word consumer Christian as like a put down, as like a point of shame. But what's really interesting is in the Gospels, as you watch Jesus interact with people, he has a patience, he has a grace, he has a compassion that if he, if he sees somebody willing to take a step from complacent and could care less to consuming from him, he's like, hey, I see that faith and I affirm it. There are other places in the gospel where Jesus calls them to take maybe bigger steps, to take maybe more maturation. So do you remember the story in Mark chapter five of the crazy demoniac dude who was naked and like would break chains? It's a really interesting story. We're going to get to a passage, but I'm just going to remind you of this one now. Mark five, Jesus shows up, talks to this guy, sends demons out of him and away. And then the guy is in his right mind. And man, for some of you, you've lived your life with really difficult seasons. You know the joy, you know the gift it is to be in your right mind. Because if you've suffered a season of grief, of depression, of anxiety, of betrayal, you know the weight that that puts not on your mind, not on your emotions, but literally your physical body. Well, this man has just been delivered from oppression and anxiety and isolation, embarrassment. And he looks at Jesus and he says this, let me get in that boat with you and I will follow you anywhere. And Jesus says something really remarkable. He actually says, hey, could you actually go back to your own people? And I want you to tell them what God has done in your life. Jesus calls him. Okay, you've just consumed from me. I have just given you grace and strength and power. And now what I'm going to ask of you is, can you go back to people? Jesus is teaching at one point. He says, if you're on your way to the temple and you're going to make a sacrifice and you remember that you've got something against your brother or he's got something against you, don't come worship God. Go make it right with them first. Jesus was always willing to say, okay, I need you to be connected to the people around you. 
But then there's other moments of growth, of maturation, of like calling that he puts on people's life. And at some points you see that Jesus calls people not just to be connected to those around him, but committed to him in a way that was really radical. Luke chapter 9, he's teaching. And in Luke chapter 9, he had developed a reputation, right? Um, He was a really popular teacher in the same way we have popular political pundits. Um, In the same way we've got popular um, talk show hosts. Jesus had really become popular. But he also developed a reputation as like a miracle worker, a healer, like kind of a wonder human being. Like, what is going on with this? So with all of the attention and all of the affection and all of the interest on him, Jesus decided in Luke chapter 9, it was the right time to say, hey, by the way, if you want to follow me, you need to take up your cross and follow. That phrase in Luke chapter 9 is indicative of other moments where he's challenged people To say it's not just being interested in what I say. It's not just being interested in what I can give you. If you want to follow me, take up a cross and do it. That's a very strange concept for the first century mind. Because they all knew that taking up a cross would be, I need you to let go of yourself to the point of death. If you want to walk with me, you're not going to follow teachings. You're not going to follow miracles. You're going to follow somebody that wants all of you. And it was a really high calling. And as a matter of fact, there were a couple of times in the gospels, in the gospel of John, do you remember when Jesus says, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And people are like, I'm out. That's crazy sounding. Jesus was always content to say, here's another step. And if you don't want to follow, you need to make a decision about that. Because following my life is not just about consumption of my miracles. It's not just about connecting to other people around me. There's a level of commitment that I'm going to ask of you that is high. And so throughout Jesus' ministry, there's this constant, there's this ever-present, there's this, this natural rhythm where Jesus is aware of who needs to step into the world of consuming, who needs to step to the level of connecting, who needs to step to the level of committed, and then he ends his time with earth on earth with an enormous call. As the gospels are winding down, it's not just the call to commitment that Jesus ends with, is it? There is one final call that Jesus gives people at the end of the gospels. In Matthew 28, he tells them, listen, I'm going to go. And when I go, the spirit will come and he'll be within you so that you can go into all the nations. I need you. To take all these steps of growth and maturation. I need you to take all of this development and all of this knowledge and all of these opportunities. And now I need you to be so compelled by what I've done in your life. That you go and you do this in the lives of others. We call it the great commission. But really it's a step of being committed to being compelled. That this now drives my life. It governs my thoughts and my finances. And my emotions. It governs my goals. It governs my time. That compulsion that Jesus called. Those first disciples to. Ha, was a really big deal. And I'll say why it's a really big deal. Because now as American Christians. We've got an option don't we? We do. We can actually be complacent. Because life is hard and challenging. We've got an opportunity to just be consumers. And like a pastor, it looks like he's got conviction so that I don't have to. 
Or we can say, okay, well, all right, I'm going to be con- like, I'm gonna, all right, I'll step all the way to connected, Tim. But man, my life is busy. I teach and I've got kids and we've got soccer. And man, you want me to be connected to people at church too. That's hard. Oh, you want me to be committed? You want it to affect everything? You want me to take up my cross and follow? That's a challenge. Wait a second. Tim, you're saying that if we're going to be a gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, intergenerational church that loves discipleship, our aim, our through line, our end zone is that we'd be compelled to take this to others. Tim, I'm barely making it through 2020, bro. You cannot pitch vision to me this year. You can't because we're feeling isolated and discouraged and like, Tim, not right now. Ah, but this is what the scriptures call our church to. Our church is called to maturation. Our church is called to development. Our church is called to growth. Do you remember your wedding? Some of you are old enough that you're like, oh, I'm going to pretty much do. And some of you, you know, you're still single and ready to mingle. Can I recommend that maybe you, you watch our services online and hop in that chat and say, oh, man, I know God's got someone for me because then you can let everyone know. I'm going to let it go. Some of us remember our wedding day. And in the wedding ceremony, there's this portion that's pretty common, pretty typical. The pastor will say this. He'll say, um, do you promise to love and cherish each other, you know, to value each other above all others in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad? And, you know, you're in love and you're young and you're like, of course I will. I totes will. Like, I don't even care if you're grumpy someday and wake up with bad breath. I will love you always. And then like, Two weeks into being married, you're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) you're a wreck. You see, it would be helpful for all of us in our marriage if we could have a wedding every month. I mean, it's way too expensive and impractical and it ain't ever going to happen. But it would be nice if all of us could have a wedding every month. And let me tell you even more specifically what I want in my monthly wedding. I want the pastor, I want the preacher that's doing my monthly wedding every month to look into my schedule. And I want him to look into my wife's schedule. And he's like, oh, man, do you promise to love and cherish each other, to care for each other above all others, even on September 23rd, when Wendy is going to have homeschool with all four kids, plus a doctor appointment, plus soccer practice. And Tim will have worked nine straight days with being stressed in meetings. And you're going to come home and Tim, you're going to snap at your wife. And Wendy is going to want to back off. Do you promise to love each other that day then? Now, obviously, that's all hypothetical. That wouldn't happen in my house. But it would be nice, wouldn't it? If you could have a wedding every month and that wedding looked right into two weeks ahead and said, does your love push you to be committed into this challenge? Does your commitment push you right into this difficulty? Because I can see what's coming and I want to call you into it because it's going to happen one way or the other. You see, once upon a time, I stood at an altar and I made a promise to my wife and oh, it would surely be nice if there was someone in my life every month that reminded me of the calling that my heart has to her in particular, because every month my heart struggles with stress and anxiety and fatigue and selfishness. I know the things that are already waiting for me. It would be phenomenal if someone was rooting for me as well. You see, we believe that's what a church can be in your life. If you're willing to say, I'm not just going to watch, but I'm going to jump in. Because on a, a weekly, on a monthly, on an annual basis, your church is willing to say, here are the opportunities that God is going to call you to. You love your spouse. 
but you're going to walk through something challenging that's going to call your love away. God's with you, and he focuses you. Man, you love your kids. They're the best kids in the world. It's just that they drive you bat crazy. And so, man, it would be amazing if there was a reminder of the challenge that God has on your life to like integrate, take all these steps of growth and development, to mature you to the place where you're always, man, you like your workplace. And you, you're the only example of the gospel there. But man, sometimes that workplace weighs on you and it's critical and it's difficult. Teachers this year, we salute you. We love you. We applaud you. We do not criticize anything. I don't care if the Zoom fails again. I don't care if the servers don't go down. I don't care if Google Classroom gets stockpiled with dumb slideshows that you're like, I'm going crazy. We just root for you. We just do. But in your workplace, wouldn't it be amazing if God was there reminding you of the calling he has on your life on a regular basis? You see, my marriage would benefit if there was a wedding every month. Just to keep reminding me, just keep calling me, just keep reminding me, just keep calling me. That's what your church can be, is that advocate, that encourager. You see, no church can grow if no people grow, period. And we're all waiting and watching this year to see what churches are deciding with a large group gathering. Listen, show up in a couple of weeks and we're talking about that. It's going to happen, I promise. But man, you know what develops more of a reputation for a church? When people decide that they're going to answer the call of God to mature their life. So my senior year, we're ready for football. And we're so excited because our school had made an enormous commitment to us. They bought new helmets, new uniforms, new pads. We redid the field. Everything smelled new. Everything looked new. It was absolutely exciting to walk into my senior year. And we walked out that first game and we looked good. And we went out for the coin toss and we won the coin toss and we didn't even defer to the second half, which was the right tactical decision. We said we will receive. And we got that opening kicked off and we ran it back a little bit and we proceeded to lose that game so hard it would make your head spin. And we got in the locker room and we're like, okay, all right, we got a little too focused on the uniforms. We need to go out and win next week. And we went out week two and we lost so hard. And we're like, okay, well, these teams aren't in our league. We don't know them that good. So it's a little understandable. And we lost games three, four, and five. But games six, seven, eight, nine, and 10, those were all league games. Those were teams we knew right down the road, Monta Vista and Granite Hills and Santana. We knew these teams. We knew their playbook. We knew their players. And we're like, we're ready. This is a new year. This is a new us. And we went on in those last five games to lose them all. It was spectacular. We lost so hard and so bad. It wasn't even close, to be honest with you. A couple of the schools, they wouldn't even stop the clock on dead balls so that it was more merciful to us. Man, I don't know what went wrong. Like we had a cool new like uniform and a new field and like a new motto and a new attitude. None of us as players had chosen to make ourselves a better football player. None of us. I don't know why I thought we'd be a better team. It was crazy. You see, the same applies for churches. We can have all the grand vision and dreams and slogans and like, we're ready for this, but we need you to come with us. We really do. Because the calling of Jesus into anyone's life is to take a step. Take a step. Man, take a step. Because if you're willing to take that step, you have no idea how glorious the work of the gospel can be in you. One of the reasons you love Southwest Church 
is because you love the fact that your pastor is consumed with passion about the work that God can do in a person's life. When do you want it to be different than just watching him have conviction and it becomes your own? Because I'm telling you, you can move from complacent to consumed. You can move from consuming to connected. You can move from connected to committed and you can move all the way to compelled. But I'm going to ask you to do something. We're almost done. A couple minutes left. And you've seen these people that have stepped into our rooted program. Can you like quit your TikTok or your Instagram or your Facebook or your Pinterest or whatever is on your phone right now? Shut it down. Shut it down. I ain't even kidding. Shut it down. And can you open up your text messages? And I'm going to say it first. I'm going to say this, that our church is blown away by what God is doing this year. We are hurting, we are frustrated, and we feel isolated too. Trust me. But we are working so hard to say, God, where are you leading us right now? Do you know two weeks ago, we had 100 people step into membership at Southwest Church in a pandemic on Zoom. I'm so tired of Zoom, you don't even know. But God is still moving. And so what we want to do this weekend is ask you this question. Are you willing to take a step of growth and to not just watch your church and not just hope that it's going to happen, but will you take a step of growth? First, excuse me, second Peter chapter one. I can't read it out of my Bible because it's too small. So I printed it this time. Second Peter chapter one. Peter says this to believers. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us, to his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, for this very reason. Make every effort to supplement your faith with something, add something, grow something, do something, mature, add virtue. Cool. Some of you have added virtue. Great. Can you add to your virtue knowledge? Some of you did that. Wonderful. Can you add to your knowledge self-control? Oh, those of you who've done self-control, can you add steadfastness? Those of you who've done that, can you add faithfulness and, and, and godliness and brotherly affection and brotherly affection? Can you add love? For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter's no dummy. Your phone's still on your lap? Don't you open up Pinterest again. Peter's no dummy. Peter says this. He says, listen, all around you in this Roman world are schools of Greek philosophy. And those schools of Greek philosophy gave you a list of virtues that if you wanted to become more important or more wealthy or more popular, you would pick a school and you would develop paths of virtue. Peter says this, instead of your path of virtue culminating in you being more important, Christian, can you follow a path of growth that culminates with the compulsion that your life exists to love others? Do you know how easy it is to navigate a year of racial tension when you know that your calling is to love others? Man, there is an opportunity that we have as a church to be called to grow. And if you would like to join our rooted program this fall, we want you to start a text message to this phone number, 94000. 
If you've watched our church for a long time and you've never stepped into something that could grow you, can you start a text message to 94000? And in the text body, in the message, just type SW rooted, SW rooted right there in the text message and hit send. And we will send you information how you can join our rooted program right now. And guess what? We're offering it limited in person and a lot online. So if you're with us in Edmonton or Chicago or Milwaukee or um, Minneapolis or Phoenix or Portland or Seattle, you could join a rooted group. And you could step into a path of growth that Jesus called individuals to all throughout the gospels. And now, man, you've got a chance to live your gospel life as well. And so would you maybe take this challenge this week from our church to yours? In a couple of weeks, we're talking about our fall plans. Don't worry about that at the moment. At the moment, would you be willing to let God challenge you to grow your faith and join our rooted program? We're excited to share with you some news in a couple of weeks. But we're more passionate about this, about individual growth, because individual growth, man, that leads to church growth. So would you do this with me as we close? I know that typically we close with a very specific blessing. Today, I want to close with some scripture that's foundational to rooted. And it's found in Colossians 2. And I'm actually going to pray this over our church this weekend. Colossians 2, the apostle Paul writes to a church in Colossae, modern day Turkey, And he prays this for them. He says, therefore, as you received Christ as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Southwest, this fall, we have a shot, a shot to grow, to grow in grace, to grow in knowledge, to grow in depth, to grow in maturity. And you've got a chance to step into a really, really present opportunity for God to really change your life. We hope that you join us for Rooted this fall because all these others we've watched, we're so proud of their life. So as we close our time together, may God speak that blessing and calling over our church. And we pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining us, Southwest. See you next week.